0: Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Oncology Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Quill. In this episode, Dr. Mansoor Mirza from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark and Dr. Anna Ochnen from the Valdebron Institute of Oncology in Barcelona, Spain will be discussing the current molecular classification of endometrial cancer and how it guides therapeutic decisions. This episode is part of a larger educational program entitled Advances in Endometrial Cancer Therapy, Exploring the Role of Immunotherapy. For more information on Dr. Mirza and Dr. Oknin, along with a link to the complete program, including a downloadable slide set, please visit the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what the experts have to say on this important topic.
1: Uh, hello, thank you for joining this podcast. You know, today we are going to discuss between my good friend Mansour Misa and myself about endometrial cancer. Let me introduce Mansour to you all. Mansour is a very well known key opinion leader in the field of gynecological malignancy. He's based in Denmark, and he's the chair for NSGO Group. And in addition, I think now, Mansoor, you are starting your term as chair of ENGO. Is it right?
2: That's correct. Thank you.
1: Excellent. Excellent. So um, I let me introduce myself. My name is Anna Wagney. I am here in the Gynecological Cancer Program at Valdebron Institute of Oncology in Barcelona. I'm a co-chair for the JCO Group in Spain. So let's start to discuss and to see how we are evolving in the field of endometrial cancer because, I mean, we are living a very, very exciting time. Now you know we are modifying the way of classifying the endometrial cancer. So please, Mansoor, share with us about the molecular classification of endometrial cancer.
2: Well, thanks, Anna. First of all, it's a, it's a great pleasure always discussing these things among friends uh, <laughs> with you. Uh, and, and, and I think the best thing we have seen in years in endometrial cancer was the paper in Nature in 2013 uh, by Getz et al. Uh, about the TCGA. Uh, endometrial cancer, uh, showing that this is not just one disease. When you look at the tr- uh, the, the cancer genome atlas uh, data, and 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 that was the beginning of 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 understanding um, how different are these tumors. So w- what that classification told us that they were they classified into four major uh, uh, subgroups. Uh, the whole endometrial cancer. Uh, patient population uh, they uh, uh, put them into polymutated, mutated uh, uh, that was one uh, that is also called ultra mutated uh, group and um, then the other group was uh, microsatellite unstable uh, hypermutated um, and we will discuss later that 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 these are the probably two groups where you will have really Good benefit of immune therapy, but that's that's um, that's. We will talk about the wha- how we can use this classification, and then the two other groups were copy number low, uh, uh, so called endometrioid group, and uh, copy number high uh, as serous. So how we can you know put it into those old days uh, type one and type two? If you look at the uh, uh, the the different uh, different. Um, uh, sort of um, mutations and put it into the old histological classification, uh, I would say that uh, if you look at endometroid, um, about one third of endometroid patients will be poorly ultramutated and another uh, one third of the population is probably, uh, uh, probably MSI high. Uh, and then you have copy number low. For the serous, most of these patients are uh, uh, copy number high, Um, and 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 then you have those carcinomas and clear cell, Uh, but this this TCGA subtypes started pushing us to discuss more about mutational load, about the grades and how we are going to use it and adding other abnormalities like PI3K alterations, uh, 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 P53 mutations, KRAS mutations, HATU, and all those. And that has actually changed the whole way we are working today. And after the TCGA, uh, we have uh, actually made it possible to understand endometrial cancer much better.
1: Excellent. I mean, you know, uh, uh, as per your explanation, it seems that we are getting into a new era in endometrial cancer. You know, I mean, this new classification may lead us to a much more personalized medicine for our patients. So in your opinion, do you think that this classification should or I mean, or must be implemented in the clinic? And in addition, which biomarker we need to guide us in the treatment strategies? Please give us your opinion on this.
2: Oh, uh, absolutely. First of all, uh, uh, my uh, answer to my first question is yes, absolutely. Uh, We should uh, implement uh, this molecular classification in our daily practice um we have uh, there will be published both the esmo guidelines which you are leading actually uh, and thanks and it's uh, it's going to be a great uh, uh, paper which will be thank you up. thank you uh, and and we will also have the uh, the esmo uh, uh, estro guide ESP guidelines and both of them uh, have clearly suggest strongly suggested to implement uh, the molecular classification in our uh, in our clinic uh, and that brings uh, us to the next question if you do that and if you really want to use these classification what are the minimal uh, uh, biomarkers we need to know uh, to 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 uh, use this classification into clinic and uh, I'm sure you will be you will agree that some of the biomarkers are uh, are those which will tell us that patients' tumours are actually very good prognosis. That's typically poorly mutated. So it's a difficult uh, test for, for many clinics, but I think we have to work hard to convince our pathologists uh, to work on it and have the poorly mutated mutation uh, data available for our patients, especially in the early stage disease, because in early stage disease, Uh, Where uh, in the countries where patients usually get uh, 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 adjuvant treatment, uh, both radiation therapy or and chemotherapy, maybe they can be definitely spared uh, from 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 that treatment um, because there is uh, a lot of data emerging showing that poorly mutated are very good prognosis patients. Um, I would say that p fifty three mutation is something we must ask pathologists to report us. Uh, P53 uh, mutation will be uh, guiding us if this patient is in a bad prognosis and needs systemic therapy, needs chemotherapy. Um, so that's another the important uh, molecular biomarker third biomarker which is sometimes reported sometimes not is the estrogen receptor status and that will also guide us what kind of treatment we are going to give uh, if patients will benefit from endocrine therapy more than than the other patients and last but not least we need to we must have for all patients uh, the, the the status of uh, msi um, and, and 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 because Already now we have immune therapy available, and MSI status is necessary to uh, find out how we are going to treat and what kind of treatment. What what kind of if we are going to use immune therapy, how we are going to use immune therapy as single agent or tablet. So I think it is Alpha Omega today to convince our pathologists in all institutions to perform minimally these. Uh, for tests when they uh, when they diag when the patient is diagnosed with endometrial cancer, um, uh, definitely we have could to do many other uh, outcome and all that. But if we can get that as the basis, uh, I think we have achieved a lot in the first uh, year or two. I hope you will agree, Anna. Or-
1: ah. For sure, for sure. I mean, I, I fully agree with you. I mean, it's the only way to move forward with our patient diagnosed with endometrial cancers, in the only way to improve our outcome because with this new molecular classification, we will be able, I mean, to to reduce because the treatment, I mean, some patients are over-treated and another patients are under-treated, so we will be able to tailor the treatment for our patient. So, my, my, my other question that I had in mind, and I think you have almost addressed, is that if you think that we need to know the status of the molecular classification to determine who patients may benefit most of the immunotherapy. Do you think that we need to have this classification or we may offer immunotherapy for all of our patients diagnosed with endometrial cancer? Uh,
2: that's, that's another uh, uh, important thing, as, as you said, that, that I think we, we have to know the, 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 the MSI status MMR status of these patients, if they are molecular, the satellite and stable, or they are not. Uh, um, if if possible, uh, I would not uh, press the pathologists, but if possible, we should uh, know the status of a mutation load as well, uh, TMB. Um, but 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 I think these are the things which will tell us if patient has a very high chance to have a um, um, response to immune therapy as single agent. Uh, we are talking about single agent immune therapy uh, uh, or not. If they are MSS, if they're stable, if they're not MSI high, um, um, instable, then then if they're a, a stable disease, then they do not have that high chance of response to immune therapy. So it's important that we separate these patients into two subgroups, uh, MSI high and MSS. So MSI high, uh, definitely we should have uh, immune therapy available as a single agent to these patients. Um, uh, And when it comes to MSS, uh, I believe that, yes, there is data which shows that single agent activity is there, but it's a sort of modest and there we really need to do some more uh, work uh, and it has been done and it is being showed uh, uh, to add some other uh, targeted agents which would uh, which would maybe enhance the activity of immune therapy for example the small molecules uh, molecules like TKIs or or PARP or other uh, molecules so yes we need to know the status of MSI uh, uh, before we can uh, tailor uh, uh, the therapy, immune therapy, for our patients, definitely.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I I mean, you and me, we are on the same page related with this biomarker to know what is the best therapy for our patients. So, I mean, would you be able to provide in a brief manner the name of some clinical trial where our audience could look for for the emerging data that we have right now with immunotherapy in this disease?
2: So, first of all, we don't have any any results of any randomized trials. So, the trials are uh, uh, phase two, uh, single agent trials, and the efficacy is seen both in uh, the uh, response rates and duration of response uh, uh, and disease control rate. Uh, and on top of that uh, the progression free survival i think the the largest trial which is done especially also in the msi high group uh, is a garnet trial which, Anna, you were uh, the lead PI for, uh, which has dostalimab in that, and it has shown amazing uh, uh, response rates and even more strongly the disease control rate. Why I'm thinking about disease control rate, because these are the patients who don't have any much much other things to offer. So if a patient can be kept on treatment Without progression for a longer time, it would be great, and uh, and the data were amazing. About almost 60% of the patients had a long disease control rate. So, tostalimab is definitely uh, um, uh, uh, a very uh, clear benefit drug. Dostal. In the same trial, if you look, there was a huge number of patients in the MM. Uh, uh, are uh, proficient so-called MSS disease, and and even there there was um, quite nice response rate uh, uh, with with alone with uh, immune therapy. But but in that population, we have another trial uh, presented by Vicky Marker in combination of pembrolizumab and lenvatinib, which has shown impressive uh, response rates of thirty seven percent. So so I think. We have both for for, for the uh, trials available now with, with quite strong evidence of uh, efficacy uh, in MSS and MSI high uh, population. So I think these are the two major trials which I would say are very important to lead us uh, to uh, treat our patients.
1: I mean, thank you. This is amazing. I, I think you have already provided To our audience with the key points in order to understand better the endometrial cancer disease and what is most important, the guide to treat in a better way of our patient with endometrial cancer. Thank you so much. It has been great to talk to you.
2: It was great talking to you as always, Anna. And uh, I hope that we will see uh, a change in the management of our patients and we will change the landscape of treatment with this molecular classification being used practically, uh, and we by using this in clinical trials to find more and more interesting agents and, and and combinations. So I'm I'm I think we are living in a very very privileged era where we have these possibilities, which we can go ahead with our clinical trials and find better drugs for our patients.
0: Thanks, Anna.
1: Excellent. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Mirza and Dr. Auknin, and thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us. As a reminder, to view the full program, Advances in Endometrial Cancer Therapy, Exploring the Role of Immunotherapy, and to download the slide set associated with this discussion from the Clinical Care Options website, please click on the link in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening.